Hey, you are a classy looking group tonight. Thanks for playing along with us for our Spirit Nights over our three-week series, Spirit, where we're talking about the Holy Spirit. I know Robsy announced it earlier, but I'm, I'm doing an information retention check. What is next week's Spirit Night? Like Team Spirit, yeah. So I hope that you'll show up. If anybody outdoes me in my Colts attire, I will be deeply impressed. That is a challenge. I don't think you can do it. Uh, so we're in this series called Spirit. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit these next three weeks, the presence, the peace, and the power of the Holy Spirit. We come to church a lot, and we hear about the Father, and rightfully so, and we talk a ton about Jesus and the redemptive work that he did on earth, and rightfully so. But what I think happens sometimes is we kind of gloss over the Holy Spirit, and maybe we miss that the Holy Spirit is the member of the Godhead who's here now. And so I thought we would take some time to just dive into that. A couple years ago, actually, Francis Chan, who's an author, a speaker, was a pastor, he wrote a book called Forgotten God. We're going to put a picture of that book up on the screen for you. I think we have that. Maybe. There it is. It's called Forgotten God. It's by Francis Chan. And the whole point of this book is to, well, the subtitle is Reversing Our Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to read you a quote from the introduction. It says, I believe that the Spirit is more obviously active in places where people are desperate for Him, humbled before Him, and not distracted by their pursuit of other things. Uh, this is an excellent book, and so we're going to do something kind of interesting. Uh, you have about three weeks, if you want to, to buy this book. Now, you can go find it on Amazon. It's not that expensive. And when this series is over, Starting in the month of November, we're going to read one chapter together every week. And I know what you're thinking. I have a lot going on. I'm doing virtual school. I have sports. This is not mandatory. But if you would like to study a little bit deeper on a subject that we're going to spend some time on, grab yourself a copy of this book. And then starting in November and through the rest of the year, once a week we'll, we'll gather online and we'll just share our thoughts, what we highlighted, what we underlined, what we felt like the Spirit was illuminating in us. And hear me say this, if there's only two of you who want to do it, that's awesome. I'm excited to do this book study with the two of you who want to do it. But if there's 20 or 30, we'll figure out what that looks like. So be praying about that. Be thinking about, hey, what I want to study a little deeper after this series about the Holy Spirit. Tonight, I, I do want to teach you a little bit of Hebrew and a little bit of Greek. Anybody feel real confident in their Hebrew and Greek skills? Okay, there was, somebody did, I don't know if that was just like a stretch, but somebody did raise their hand. I, I'm not even confident. I only know a little bit. Uh, but the word spirit that we find in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, is a word called ruach. Everybody try to say that after me, ruach. Yeah, you really almost have to kind of hock a loogie on the back half of that word, right? So ruach. In the New Testament, the word for spirit is pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. Pneuma. These two words together show up in the Bible over 600 times. And it doesn't always refer to God's Holy Spirit. What that word actually literally translated means is wind or breath or an invisible pushing force. And so it can be paired up with, in the Old Testament, if you will, the Elohim Ruach. That would be God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. But it's this, this concept of breath or of wind, an invisible pushing force. And I, I tell you that at the beginning. Why? Because as we look through some scripture tonight, you'll see kind of that repeated theme over and over and over again. 
Now, we do believe in a triune God. Does anybody feel real confident in your ability to come up on this stage, take the mic, and explain the Trinity to the rest of us? Show of hands. Okay, I see one. How many of you would just break out in tears if I asked you to come up here and explain the Trinity in front of everybody else? Okay, there's, there's some of you as well. The Trinity is one of those things, it's, it's difficult to explain to somebody, right? There are three distinct individuals within the Godhead, but they're all equally God. And so we talk about the Father, we talk about the Son, we talk about the Spirit, but, but honestly, I think sometimes we treat God and Jesus like they're up here, God the Father and Jesus the Son up here, and then the Holy Spirit's kind of like down here. And that's just not the case. And what we can begin to believe is that, well, in the Old Testament we see God the Father, right? And then in the Gospels we see Jesus, and now this is the time for the Holy Spirit. So that's how we can explain it away. It's one God at three different times, three different modes. It's actually an ancient heresy called modalism. It's not true. All throughout the Bible we can see all three individual pieces of the Godhead moving and at work. And in fact, if you were to go and check out Jesus' baptism, right, we see a picture of the entire Trinity at work. We see Jesus getting baptized. And as he's being baptized, Matthew says that he saw the Holy Spirit descend on him like a dove. You saw that dove imagery in our opening video. And then a voice speaks from heaven and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So you have the Father speaking over the Son as the Spirit descends. So all three who are equal, separate, and yet one. Super confusing. I can't explain it to you perfectly. There's not an analogy. We can't do this thing where it's like, yeah, it's like the, the egg shell and the egg yolk and the egg white. They're, they're different, but they're one. Oh, not quite. Or water. Water, you know, it's, it's liquid, it's solid, it's vapor. Okay. None of those perfectly explain away this mystery. And it's just one of those things that we have to accept that God is three in one. Now, the Holy Spirit, again, has been active from the beginning. Does anybody know the first verse in the Bible that the Holy Spirit has mentioned? Literally the second verse of the Bible. So we probably all know Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then in verse 2, it says that the earth is empty. It's without shape, without form, and there's deep waters, and it says that the Spirit was there hovering over the waters at the dawn of creation. And we continue to see the Spirit move all throughout the Old Testament. We see Joseph. You guys remember Joseph? Technicolor dream coat, right? Multicolored robe, got thrown into the well, tossed into prison, forgotten there. You know the story of Joseph, right? He interpreted dreams, how did he do that? This is not a trick question. How did he do it? The Holy Spirit gave Joseph that ability. Joseph wasn't like some great, you know, guesser. He interpreted dreams through the power of the Holy Spirit. We see that in Genesis. You skip on forward from the time of the patriarchs to the time of the judges. Probably the most famous judge would be Samson. You guys have studied Samson, right? Hey there, Delilah. You guys remember that song from like 20 years ago? Samson was a strong guy, right? When you think of him, you probably think of a guy who never skipped arm day. He was super ripped. He was swole. He took all kinds of protein enhancements. Did you know that every single time Samson does something of miraculous strength, it's because the Holy Spirit has come upon him? The Bible, I don't think, actually ever says, yes, Samson was out there 
doing push-ups and, and throwing trees around so he could get bigger and stronger. It says that every time he did something, the Spirit came on him and gave him that power. You move from the time of the judges into the time of the prophets, where they're predicting accurately things that will come to pass, the rise and fall of kingdoms. How do these guys do that? How do they do it? It was the Holy Spirit. They weren't guessing. The Spirit is moving time after time after time through the Old Testament. And then we see the Spirit descend on Jesus at his baptism, like we talked about, right? And he's moving and he's there. But then when Jesus is getting ready to, to go back to, his, to heaven, he tells the disciples, hey, the Spirit's coming. And it's, it's going to be here in a way that, that's going to blow your mind. It's going to be completely different than anything you've seen before. And so what happens is we, we get to what's called Pentecost. Pentecost. Uh, we'll, we'll skip that first slide. We'll get to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. We'll put this on the screen for you. Acts 2, 1 through 4 says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. The Holy Spirit shows up. And it's crazy. These guys begin to speak languages they don't know. Some supernatural things start to show up with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk more about that in week three, the power of the Holy Spirit. And I would just briefly tell you, I think that God still shows up, His Spirit still shows up, and does supernatural things that we can't explain any other way. But it's because Jesus came and then he ascended back to heaven. You saw it in the bumper video, and this was actually my first slide. We'll go back. In John 16, you can go ahead and turn to John 16 if you have your own Bible. You can scroll there on your app. We're going to be in John 16 and 14 a lot. Jesus tells his disciples, it's better for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Now, raise your hand if this has ever been true for you. You've thought to yourself, it would be so much easier to follow Jesus if I could just see him face to face and have a conversation with him. Anybody ever think that? Yeah, me, me too. This is not an example of how to raise your hand. I think that. And yet we miss the fact that Jesus said, it's better for me to go so that the Spirit can come. Jesus was in a human body. He was confined to one place at a time. He left this world to ascend back to the Father, and the Spirit comes at Pentecost, and now God's Spirit can be in multiple places at multiple times, or multiple places at the same time. Jesus says, it's better that I go. Now the Spirit is here with you. So I want you to see more of what Jesus says about this. If you'll flip back over maybe one page in your Bible to John 14, we're going to read verses 16 and 17. And mark your place, because we're going to, we're going to anchor here, and then we'll kind of jump around. John 14 16 through 17, Jesus, speaking to his disciples, says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him, and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. There is so much to unpack, even just from these two verses. I'll try to be brief. Jesus says that, the Spirit will never leave us, echoing what he's going to say to his disciples after he is resurrected in the Great Commission. He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. The Holy Spirit will not 
abandon us. He also says in these verses that the Spirit will lead us into all truth. Crave, the Holy Spirit is the source of truth that we should be going to, not some social media site, not some news outlet. We, we can't allow society and what society says is true and acceptable and right to override and overwhelm what we know Jesus has already said, what God has said, what His Spirit convicts and leads us in. The Spirit points us to what is true. He says that the world won't recognize the Holy Spirit. And, and this is something that I've heard Pastor Perry talk about on this, on this exact stage many, many times. The Holy Spirit is the one who initiates our salvation. Jesus himself said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Only when the Spirit begins to move within you can your eyes be opened to the truths that he wants to reveal. And that has to happen, and that's why Jesus says the world doesn't recognize him. People who have no interest in God are not even looking for or listening to what the Spirit has to say. And I'll just ask you now what I'll ask you again at the end of this message. Are you listening to what the Holy Spirit might be wanting to say to you? Because it's easy to come to church and think, well, yeah, God has something for somebody else. But it's quite possible that the Holy Spirit has something specifically for you. Now, it's also in this passage we see Jesus refer to the Spirit as an advocate. What is an advocate? Does anybody know? Shout it out if you do. An attorney? Sometimes, yeah. In the more broad sense, somebody said it over here. A representative, yeah. An advocate is somebody who is for you. So in that example of an attorney, like if you were in trouble and you had an attorney who was there to argue your case, they are your advocate. They're there to fight on your behalf. And I think that's a beautiful image for us to have of God. Because I think the reality is, most of us have a very, very different image. In fact, probably the exact opposite. We walk around sometimes like God is the cosmic state trooper who's hiding just around the bend, waiting for you to come along and do something wrong so he can bust you. And the truth of the matter is it's the exact opposite. The Spirit is our advocate. He is for us. Satan is actually a title, not a name. I, I think you know that. Satan means accuser. It's Satan who lurks around the corner waiting to drag you down to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10.10. 10. But it's God's Holy Spirit who advocates for us, who fights for us, who is on our side. And if you hear nothing else I say tonight, please look right here at me. Let me have your full attention for like 10 seconds. God is for you, not against you. He does not hate you. The things you have done in your past do not disqualify you from his love. It's for you, not against you. But that word that is used here for advocate can actually be translated several ways. So advocate is first, and I, I want to give you a scripture to go with every translation of this word. There's four different translations. That first part of advocate, I want you to see Romans 8.3. Paul writes, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? I know what it's like out there in the world. Sometimes you feel like everybody's ganging up on you. Your family, your friends, strangers, everyone's against me. But the reality is, no matter how many people actually are against you, 
if God is for you, that's worth so much more. And he is for us, not against us. If we are in Christ, Romans 8, 1, actually the beginning of this chapter says, in Christ there's no condemnation. So, brother or sister in Christ, God is for you. He is not against you. He does not condemn. He comes to redeem. That word in, in the Greek for that we see as advocate is paraclete. It can be translated some other way. It's the second way it can be translated is comforter. Comforter. Now, not like what you have on your bed. Does anybody have like a really awesome comforter that you get excited about as you think about it? Here's a confession for you. Just as a parent of two under two, bedtime is my favorite time. So I love, I love to get under the comforter and finally get to close my eyes at the end of a long day. But there, it's not exactly the same imagery here. But I do want you to see 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Paul writes, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and all source of comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. God comforts us when things go wrong, and I think all of us at this point have probably experienced something less than ideal, probably even just this year, probably even just this week. And God is for you. He is an advocate, but he's a comforter. He wants to come alongside you. He is the source of all comfort. Have you ever been to a funeral? Show of hands. I'm, we're raising our hands a lot tonight. I hope you wore deodorant. Uh, if you've ever been to a funeral for someone who was a known Christ follower, somebody that their life shined so brightly for Jesus there was no denying it. It's sad, but there's an element of hope and there's some comfort that can be found in Christ. But on the flip side, if you've ever been to a funeral for somebody who, if we're being honest, probably was very far from Christ. Their heart was far from God. There was no transformation. That is a very sorrowful, difficult thing. And it's, it's hard to try to come along and, and comfort in a situation like that. And yet, no matter the loss, the Holy Spirit is there ready to comfort, ready to come alongside, even in the midst of a difficult, difficult time. Now, a third way that word can be translated is encourager. I would have you look at 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 through 17. It says, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Eternal encouragement. Again, I, I know this year has been full of ups and downs, but in Christ, through the power of the Spirit, you can be encouraged this life is not all there is. One day all of this virtual school stuff will come to an end. One day all of the difficulty and brokenness and relationships that are hard and hurtful and filled with hate and bitterness and ugliness, all those things will one day pass away. Be encouraged that this life is not all there is. Paul says we can have eternal encouragement through the Spirit. And the last thing is, that word can be translated as counselor. Now, when we think about going to see a counselor, maybe that makes you feel kind of like, ah, I don't want people to know that. I will not ask you to raise your hands for that. But the truth is, when you see a counselor, you're going to see somebody who can help you work through things that maybe you can't handle on your own. And I think that's completely normal. I think it's healthy. And probably we as a whole would be much healthier if we were more open to seeking counsel from other people. The Holy Spirit 
does himself act as a counselor. Check this verse out from Romans 8. It says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. When we feel so lost and so confused, we have no idea even what to pray. Like, I know I should pray, but I don't even know what to pray. The Bible says the Holy Spirit prays for us. You've probably never thought about the fact that God himself prays for you. I find that so encouraging, and it can be a source of great counsel to just go to the Holy Spirit and say, what do you want me to know? David Hardy, who's our executive pastor here, he asks us that all the time. From this stage, in the office as a staff, what do we think God wants us to know? To seek his counsel can be so, so valuable. If you skip back down into John 14 where we started, Jesus says this in verse 26. When the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. It is the Holy Spirit who illuminates God's word for us. Everything that we have been taught from the Sunday school lessons, right, when we were a kid, all the way through up the stuff we're studying now today, it's the Holy Spirit who illuminates and helps us to understand. Y'all, there are stories and verses and chapters in this book that are tough, that are difficult to, to kind of make your way through and go, what in the world's happening here? But it's the Holy Spirit who can help us get through that. Jesus says, he will remind you of these things. So when we study, when we get into the Word, and when we're out there in the world and, and real life happens, because I know sitting here today, it's easy to be like, yeah, I want to follow the Spirit. But in the middle of a Wednesday afternoon when your week has just been terrible, and you're floundering out there, and you're like, what in the world am I supposed to do? How do I respond as a Christ follower to all of this stuff? You ask, Holy Spirit, would you remind me, would you bring to mind the teachings of Christ? And watch and see if that doesn't happen. Maybe you've never been able to memorize Scripture. You're like, my memory's terrible. I can't even remember like what day it is. Have you asked the Holy Spirit to help you? Holy Spirit, would you help me to know your word, to put it inside my heart and mind for times when I need it? I dare you to try it. I dare you. See if he's not faithful in that. The Holy Spirit will also convict us when we're out there and we're in the middle of a situation we know we really shouldn't be a part of. Now we think about like a conscience, right? And if you think about Disney, you think about Jiminy Cricket, your conscience, right? Who, this little voice back here is speaking to you. And I can say this to you honestly. I've never heard God's voice out loud. I know people who claim to have heard that a time or two. And I'm not saying it can't happen. Because God is God and can do whatever he wants. I'm telling you, I've never heard that out loud. I'd probably be super freaked out. I'd be like, Alexa, was that you? Uh, if you listen to this back later, I'm really sorry for setting off that machine with the A name. Sorry. Uh, I've never heard that. But I can tell you confidently, several times in my life, I have distinctly heard God speaking to me inside. And you're like, okay, can you expound on that? I can't really. Sometimes when you know, you just know. And I would remind you again what we said at the beginning. The word for spirit is breath or wind. When Jesus has this very famous conversation with Nicodemus in John 3, we remember John 3.16, but as he's explaining to Nicodemus about spiritual things, he talks about the spirit being like the wind that comes and goes. And I would say to you, 
when Elijah stands there and he's looking for God and all these big things and it doesn't happen and it's a gentle whisper, it's only because he's actually listening that he can hear from God. What am I trying to say to you? Here's the bottom line. I believe the Holy Spirit is present with us. We sing these songs about him changing things. We sing these songs about, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, transform us. But do we mean it? Are we listening? Or do we have everything else in our life turned up to 10? Our social media, our academics, our athletics, our friends, we can't, we're not even, we can't hear what God's trying to say to us because A, we're not listening, and B, even if we were, everything else is drowning out God. If I could challenge you with one thing, it would be tonight, at some point in small group, when you get home, just pray and ask God, speak to me through your spirit. He is present with us, and I believe he wants to do something great within you and within us as a group. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to go to small group, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We thank you for his life, his death, and his resurrection. God, we thank you that he is coming again. But in the meantime, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who is present with us, who indwells us, who gives us peace and power in your name. And so we pray, God, that you would reveal yourself more and more to us. My prayer over these Crave students, God, is that you would stir within them, through your spirit, a desire to know you more. They would be looking for you and listening for you in ways that they maybe never have before. Help us not to overlook you, Holy Spirit, but to submit to your guidance and your leading. We love you. We make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.